0: You know, I, love, I love the church, I love the church and, and in, the, in the coming few weeks we're going to be looking at what kind of church the Lord wants us to be, right? As we go onto the ground, one thing I, I, I learned uh, from Pastor Jonathan Fontana Rosa, who took us through E16 You all remember Pastor John Font? Um, some of us do, right? And he said this, it's always stuck with me He said that we don't go to church We are the church we gather as a church, right? Say it with me. We don't go to church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We gather as a church, right? And so that's us. We are the church. Every time we say we, uh, uh, the church, I'm not talking about Bangunan Yin, SMCC, or Disara Central. When I say church, I mean all of us, the collective of people amen so so i've been i've been dreaming up what kind of church um the lord wants us to not my dreams but the lord's dreams and you're seeking him and asking him lord what are the things you want us to major in and into as we go onto the ground to be the church in sungai bulo to be an srbkl church and and the lord uh reminded me of something i read um, earlier this year and I was just flipping through the book again and I came across this quote and I wanted to share it with you because I think it speaks about my relationship with you, me as a pastor, you guys as the church and how we're gonna do this whole thing together, right? So so let's look at the slide um, and and I'm going to squeeze my gallery view in so I can read it. Okay, this, is a, this is a book by Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson, you will know him as the guy who wrote the message, a uh, paraphrase of the Bible, right? So this is the same guy, okay? The biblical fact is that there are no successful churches. There are, instead, communities of sinners gathered before God week after week in towns and villages all over the world. The Holy Spirit gathers them and does his work in them. Next slide. In these communities of sinners, one of the sinners is called pastor and given the designated responsibility in the community. The pastor's responsibility is to keep the community attentive to God. I love this one. I love this one. In in these communities that gather week on week to seek God, and for the Holy Spirit to gather them and to do the, His work in them among this community, one of them, among this community of sinners, one of them is the pastor. And he's given this that responsibility to keep everyone attentive to God. And I, and I like the way he ended this paragraph, which is to say that our role as Christians is to be attentive to To God, and that's my that's my one of my deepest hopes is that all of us, myself included, will always be attentive to God, attentive to what He is saying, attentive to what He is doing, attentive to participate in His move over this land and so into that comes our role as the church and over the next eight weeks I'm going to be myself and Pastor Ramesh we're going to be sharing with you what kind of church the Lord wants us to be when we go on the ground in Sungai Buloh we're going to talk about being a a set apart church today we're going to talk about being a loyal and fervent church a courageous and authentic church a church uh, uh, um, of the miraculous and and compassion we're going to talk about what it means to be a welcoming church you know and and this is not exhaustive you know i was seeking the lord and praying and i've got my my, my pulpit calendar for the rest of this year and this takes us all the way till till the first week of december with two more other weeks we're doing something else in between and so and so this is kind of like our 2021 20, it's gonna end uh uh uh, uh somewhere uh, like, like this right so so but you know what I'm really, really clear about this and I, and I really want to, us to all share this same thing, right? That the Lord wants us to be these things even more than we want us to be these things. Does that make sense? Let's take the first one and, and, and this today's sermon, right? We're going to talk about being a set-apart church. The Lord wants us to be a set-apart church more than we ourselves want us to be a set-apart church. And, and it's a journey of aligning our hopes our desires our, our 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 spiritual ambitions to align them with god's hopes for us as well because god sets the bar and god sets the desire and it's the desire of his heart that we be for example a set apart church and it's our responsibility to go from being a little bit meh about it to being persuaded about it to being convicted about it and then to become blazing hot embodying it one day and it's a journey we're all gonna go on this journey and we are not gonna we're gonna not gonna uh, 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 figure it out overnight but we are on the journey and he leads us there right I remember the, uh, the old hymn, He Leadeth Me. How many of you all know this? He leadeth me, he leadeth me, right? Um, and, uh, and I love the thought that as we are, as we are being refined day by day, in, from glory to glory, that He is the one, right? He is the one who is slowly, gradually, um, some days He gives us spurts, and then some days it takes us gently, right, um, to grow. Now, set apart church. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord God, that You're going to set us apart. And I pray, Father God, that today You do the work to initiate uh, um, this language of being a different type of church, of being a, a commissioned type of church, to being a, a church that is set apart for You, separated, consecrated, unto you, O Lord God. So Father, teach us. On this day, let your words be opened up so that they become fresh and new and beautiful and, re- and, and rejuvenating to our very souls. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First Peter chapter 1, verses 9 onwards, very famous words, they go like this. But you, O people, O people of God, Oh, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy beloved i urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul wow you know this if some of you are really the sh- super sharp and you're like first peter first peter let me look at verse one and then verse one verse two verse three you're going to go like pastor Fergus, i think this first peter was written to the jewish exiles lie it's not written to us you know, so, so I just wanted to own that. So in case somebody of yours are, 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 are really quick and you're jumping ahead and going like, Pastor Fergus didn't read chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, you know, so, he, so he's, he's referring to the church. But this is actually for the Jewish exiles. Yes, I did read verse 1 and 2. Um, but, I, but I want to remind us all that um, if you read Romans 9, you will see that, that we, the church, are grafted into the same plant the church are grafted into the same plant um, uh, that the Jewish uh, uh, people is, that the nation of Israel is. And same plant means same plant. And Paul writes elsewhere that there is now neither Jew nor Greek, you know, um, Jew nor Gentile. In other words, we all share in the inheritance. And so Peter, in this case, is writing to the diaspora. And today, and in, in his day, the diaspora was spoken about in distinction from the non-believing Gentiles who were living in and among them, but today we are inheritors of this promise. We are inheritors uh, together uh, um, with our with, with our believing Jews, uh, uh, um, Jewish brothers, and all in the same family grafted into the same tree and so we inherit this verse as well as the church and today we are being spoken of here in relation to all the non-believing other peoples in Malaysia as we are in Malaysia or if you are viewing this from somewhere else or if you do come from somewhere else and you happen to be stopping over here in whatever other nation that you are in you are a chosen race Oh, Christian, you are a royal priesthood. Oh, believers, you are, to collectively, you make up a holy nation, a people what? For his own. For his own. He snatched you out of darkness, that's all of us, and he transferred us into the kingdom of marvellous light. Every single one of us, chosen, royal, holy and belonging to god the father that's who we are that's what makes us a set apart church chosen chosen royal to be royal means you're not common you're royal to be holy means you are not common you are holy and you are his own you're not just a nobody you're not just an anybody you are his body we the church is are the body of christ now i want to show you the next the next click you're going to see this now you are god's people because once we were we were we were were, who were we right who were we we were just floating in 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 nowhere just ordinary autonomous individuals some nation somewhere, some people group somewhere. And once you were not a people, but now you have been gathered and you are a, a distinct type of people. Okay, that's who we are. Okay, and now he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Meaning, you know what? I, if, if your guys hang around me long enough, you hear me talk about exile uh, um, a lot because it's one of, um, one, one of the things that I, I'm really passionate about And it's one of the lenses to which I see a lot of our Christian life. We are called sojourners and exiles, travellers and exiles, uh, passing through and exiles. Why? Because an exile um, is in a place, semi-belonging there, in some in some tangible way but in many other ways does not belong there that is not their true home that is not their final home and and in many ways they are passing through they are sentient and they and they are there on the ground but not off the ground if you can put it that way and with that i want to show you three things about being a set apart church to be a set apart church is number one, it is to be different. Number two, it is to be commissioned. And number three, it is to be known for your love. Okay, so if you, if you and I, we are collectively going to be a set apart church, we are going to be different. We are going to be commissioned and we're going to be known for one thing. We're going to be known for our love. So let's get into it. To be set apart is to be different right and what does different mean right different means to be separated in this context to be different means to be separated to be taken out you saw it in the verse just now you were you were lifted out of darkness into marvelous light is to be separated there is a separation i once attended this camp and they were so nakal okay um they had all these pebbles um, no, they had rice. They had rice in this tray, and then they put in like don't know what. I think they put in some coloured rice and some normal rice. And like the icebreaker game or the workshop game was, we were supposed to separate um, the 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 white rice from the coloured rice with straw, you know. So so like like so don't and then spit or like you know dig it and then spit. Now that separation, right? You are distilling it out, right? Through separation, um, to be different means to be distinct and to be distinct means like it is clear what you are your edges are not fuzzy you're not blurring into the background if you've got zoom and you've got the blur background function on you know which part of the screen is blurry and indistinct and then you can see that when you are in the foreground the edges are clear you are well defined what you are and the boundary between what you are and what you not are are very clear that's what it means to be distinct you're special to be different means to be special to be not like anything else my wife is different for me from every other person because she's special to me that's what it means and to be different is to be sacred to be there is something about it that is that is special uh, uh, um, and precious and sacred now Here's the thing. I'm going to share with you a bit of stories. Okay, um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up uh, feeling that I was very aware that I was different. I wasn't a Christian, okay? But I grew up being very aware that I was just a little bit different from all the other kids. Uh, so I grew up in moi. Uh, my hometown, Moa, Johor um, And if you've ever been to Moa It's a beautiful town uh, In the 80s um, It's a Hokkien-speaking town Okay um, And uh, and my, my father's Hokkien My mother's Teochew So I speak both Hokkien and Teochew um, uh, and, and, But in the 90s Culture started to shift In my hometown And, and uh, Mandarin started to become more commonly spoken. In fact, I remember going to buy a, 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 a hawker stall. You order in in Hokkien, the guy will speak to you back in Mandarin. Okay, and then you say one more thing in Hokkien, and he'll say back to you in Mandarin. And then he will turn to the next stall and he'll talk to Hokkien to that fella. Meaning, I was like, "Wow, what's going on with my hometown?" what's going on like why are you so action you know <laughs> and and i realized that that mandarin was the language of commerce and that and that the culture in my town had shifted and so in school um especially form one I ended up uh, in this school, Muah High School, um, which incidentally is (laughs) Muhyiddin's uh, secondary school as well. So so he's my senior, senior, senior. Um, I don't know whether to be not proud of it or proud of it or whatever of it, but that's just my school, right? Sekolah Tinggi Muah. And all the pralehan kids, the the removed boys, one year older than me, all jangwhai, every day, you know? And I ended up in tingkatan Satu b okay, which is a second class of Form 1. And... it's the whole class, all the one half is all the Chiang Hwaii boys and the other half is all the Melayu kids. And I'm like, like my, my selection of friends was made for me because the small handful of fellas who speak English, okay, um, you have no choice. Ha, they're your friends. Ha, you, 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 don't, you don't have a choice. I mean, for, with, that, with that filtration, you still want to choose then good luck, ha, you know? So, um, so that, that's how it was. I go to school. I, I watch different uh, uh, TV shows from... Virtually everybody else, I speak English. I read English books. Um, I, I, you know that kind of thing. I like writing. I like writing poetry. I like writing fiction. That kind of thing, right? And like, so different, guys. I, I'm someone who got name like Fergus. It's like Scottish name. Like, wait, you want die? Is it? You go to, you go to Sekolah Tinggi Mwa Satu Bi and half of them is Malayu kids. Half of them is the Changhua boys, Peralehan kids. And you're like, like. Fergus, oh he said, wow, you die, man. <laughs> right? So so I felt different. I did. And even though over time I learned to hua yi back with some of them, and then I hokin hokin with some of them, and then I pick up all the away from them. So all my hokin also laced with all the human anatomy parts, you know, all the body parts, all the naughty language. I learned all these things from them, you know. Um and I and, and I kind of like in some ways, was like a tree whose roots were planted here. And then I grew, and my branches reached all the way across to someone else's jungle. And my, my leaves, and my branches, and my twigs were mingling with theirs. But I knew that my roots were here. And I knew that no matter how much my leaves and branches mingled with theirs, I was this kind of kid. And every day, after X number of hours in school, I would come home and I would be this kind of kid. And I always remained that kind of kid. And many years later, I would find more kids who were like this kind of kids and, and, and it became a bit, a, a bit better. Um, but, but in those years, I learned what it was like to be different. And, and I believe that that is, I, some of you grew up feeling even more a sense of being different and, and and maybe maybe you enjoyed it you know maybe you you, you liked being different or maybe for many of you I know that you probably didn't like being different maybe you grew up with some kind of sickness and and, and you looked different uh, maybe you had a name that nobody could pronounce you know and everybody made fun of it maybe your family uh, was just set up just slightly differently from everybody else I don't know we all have things about us growing up that make us feel like I was I just could not fit in with everyone else and I struggle to fit in maybe you did right I know I did I I looked for a place to try to fit in and I had a little group of English speaking fellas and I fit in there that's all with the rest of the crowd I felt very different and yet I knew the whole time that I was cut out from a different type of cloth and I and no matter how much I kind of like mingled and, and assimilated I kept going home to being who I was and in many ways that's the kind of difference that it feels like to be a Christian. That's what being Christian and being different, being set apart is like. You are planted in the soil of Jesus Christ. You are a different type of person. You come from a different stock. You have been transferred out. Unless you say you are not transferred out. But I don't think so. I think we all want to say and affirm that we have been transferred out from darkness into marvellous light and because we've been transferred out now we've been replanted back into the soil of Jesus Christ and every day our roots go down into the soil of Jesus Christ and we drink deep from the waters of everlasting life that's who we are But when you go out there in this world and in the edge of your branches and your leaves start mingling with everybody else's you will feel different and I'm saying this to every single one of us unequivocally, that's a good thing. And you may not like it, but it's a good thing. Not everything you like is going to be good. Not everything that's good is going to be something you like. And this is one of them. It's going to be good for you to be, to be intrinsically different, intuitively different. Inside your heart, your identity is different. I'm not saying that to be different uh, means to be weird in this world. Though sometimes the Christian call will, will demand of you certain weird decisions. I'm not saying that you'll be awkward in this world, though sometimes something inside your heart might feel that it's awkward to be here. It just does not feel comfortable. And still, the Lord doesn't want you to, to pull out and start your own comfortable Christian community. Or what we sometimes call a christian ghetto right like your, your own little holy huddle that's not god's vision for us his vision for us is that we are in the world in the world our branches reach out and get in mingle in and among other people i want to show you a verse from first peter um uh, just further down um that you're going to read it says here um, sorry, that, that, that verse just now, you were called out of darkness into marvelous light. And Colossians chapter 1 has this verse which is a, I, 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 it's a parallel of this. It says that He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So I want you to see the verbs here. Call you out in 1 Peter 1. He called you out. He delivered us and then He transferred us He calls you out. He delivers you. He transfers you from one place to another. And then He plants you in that soil. My friends, you are in the world. You are just not of the world. You've heard this one before, right? Right? You are in the world but we are not of the world. And what this means, if you're, if, you're new, if you're old to church, you have heard this a billion times, okay? So I don't need to, to, to articulate this for you because you articulate it to other people, right? Um, but if you are newish uh, to church, um, this is something you will hear Christians say all the time. We are in the world means that we are in and among the world. We don't pull out. We don't do this whole holy huddle, Christian ghetto thing, right? We don't do that. We, we mingle. We get in. And sometimes that's going to affect. I'm not saying always and I'm not prescribing specifics. But I'm speaking generally. Sometimes this is going to affect what kind of schools your kids go to. Sometimes it will affect what kind of your, your life decisions about what kind of schools your kids go to. Sometimes this is going to affect what kind of jobs you take. Sometimes this is going to affect what kind of neighbourhoods you move into. And sometimes this is going to affect what kind of friends you keep. We are not of the world in the sense that we are not made out of the same stuff. We don't pull out, we are in. We're in and among them. But we are not made from the same stuff. That's why we are exiles and sojourners. That's why we will always be almost like home, but actually not fully home. John chapter 19. John chapter 19 says this, I chose you out of the world. If you were of the world, the world would love you. I don't think it's 19. Now I'm thinking about it. Is it 19? I'm thinking, I think I may have done this slide wrong. I think it's John 15. I think it's John 15. Right. If you were of the world, transition from 15 to 16. Yeah, um, uh, I'm the vine is that section. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of this world. You see that? You see that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus says, because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. And when it says the world hates you, it doesn't mean, thanks so much, Suwen. That's right, it's 15. Um, Because uh, uh, when it says the world hates you, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to like, rah, and hate you, right? But what it means is that there is a clash. Because God chose us out of the world now, there is a clash. And there is something that just doesn't quite jive 100%. There is no perfect fit. And Romans 12 says this. Instead, it says that do not be conformed. Don't be conformed to this world. Conform means that external forces nudge you and then you allow those forces to nudge you and shape you so that you conform to the world. I think it was Bruce Lee who said uh, that that, uh, <laughs> that there is a pot. And then there is the water. You know, the pot doesn't follow the shape of the water. The water follows the shape of the pot. Then he says, "I am the water," or something like that. Some some typical Bruce Leeism, right? Um, but but the water conforms to the shape of the pot. If the vessel looks different, the water conforms to the shape of the vessel. Church, do not be conformed to the shape that the world wants to shape you into. Because the world has an idea about what kind of shape it wants you to be. And that shape is perfectly shaped so that you can keep buying, so that you can keep contributing, so that you can keep uh, uh, helping people become rich, so that you you can keep consuming and consuming voraciously, so that you can keep being part of a system that perpetuates itself. You know, the world wants to shape you into a certain kind of person a certain kind of consumer a certain kind of uh, uh, um, a reader a certain kind of something you know and the world's constantly doing that don't be conformed to it there must be some kind of christian pushback there has to be some kind of natural uh, um, uh, 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 christ-oriented shaping so that you're saying that no no i'm not going to bend in this way at least not all the time i'm not going to bend this this way at all sometimes you know and and but instead how How then? Be transformed. How? The mind must be renewed. The spirit must be renewed. It's your spiritual worship. That's how you worship God, to be shaped by God. That's what it means to be different. We're not going to look like the world. We're not. And sometimes you're going to say, but pastor, I just want to fit in. I just want to fit in. It's not cool. It's not fun. I just want to be normal. Yes, we all want to be normal. And maybe sometimes that's why we have the church, so that when we gather, we can be weird together. and That's how we are normal together. And then when we're back out in this world, that we can be normal, you know, and then sometimes abnormal. And then sometimes supernaturally abnormal, right? Um, or, or just, and, and, and something like that. You know what? There are no easy answers to this. There are no easy answers to this, but I know that Holy Spirit is going to be with us. He says that don't be afraid when you stand before all the kings and all the, all the judges of this world who are going to be questioning you. Don't even prepare answers. On the, at that moment, I will give you a word to speak in the same way. In the same way, I want to challenge and exhort every single one of you. Go out into this world, make friends, be normal, and then when it's time for you to be different, when it's time to be different, to stand out, Sometimes even it might mean to stick out like a sore thumb. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you utterance on that moment and and to carry you over. The first thing, to be a set-apart church is to be ready to be different. But the second one is to be commissioned First one is to be different The second one is to be commissioned And when I say commissioned Gosh, I had so many other words um, Thinking about this And I was like Which one do I pick uh, uh, to, be, to do point two? You know, Do I go with DDD Or do I go to something like that you know? um, To be commissioned means that uh, um, means, let's, let, let's look at the next slide right? It means to be called It means to be charged right to have a calling over your life to be charged with a task right to be dedicated and when i say dedicated i don't mean like wow wow he worked until 11 o'clock he's such a dedicated worker i don't just mean that i mean i mean dedicated in a baby dedication kind of way like 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 you know some of you um, maybe you were dedicated to some temple some god growing up you know how many of you guys you got that kind of experience right you know what it's like to be so so-called become like the godchild of some of some deity in some chinese temple so some of us have that experience i i had that experience. they chopped this thing on my t-shirt at the back ruined my t-shirt for the rest of my days you know <laughs> and it was my favorite t-shirt I, and no one told me i wouldn't have won that t-shirt that day right <laughs> you're dedicated but now no longer to the gods of this world, dedicated to Yahweh, dedicated to Him so that you become His child now. Right? Ordain. We use the word ordain for pastors, right? That, that I'm going to give you a job forever. This is now I, I, I kind of like seal you with this job, right? And shrink wrap you with the shrink wrap of being a pastor or something like that. We talk like that. Um, um, like we use language like ordain, right? And to be given an assignment, Right? But why, why aren't we ordained as Christians? In actual fact, we are. As Christians, we are commissioned, using the kind of like thesaurus-type similar words, we are commissioned into a higher calling. So pastors are ordained to a certain vocation, and that's my responsibility in this community to you, as, as Eugene Peterson said, to, to help everyone be attentive to God. And every single one of us is commissioned to play a role in this family. And what does the Bible say about this? Acts chapter 14. I love this. This was the part when Saul soon to be known in the Bible by chapter 15 they call him Paul right but here he's still called Saul he's a Christian now right and Barnabas uh, um, are with a group right and they are at Antioch right? and, and Barnabas Simeon Lucius Manain, uh, um, and Saul um, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting then the Holy Spirit spoke and said set apart wow Well, it's scary when the Holy Spirit says set apart. Some setting apart is going to take place. He says set apart. These two guys, right? Barnabas and Saul, separation. They're going to be different from the rest of you now. Different from Simeon, different from Manaen. different from Lucius, right? Barnabas and Paul, separate them. Why? I have a work for them. I'm commissioning them. I have an assignment for them set them apart for the work i have called them and you know what they went after this that's their work you look at the bottom they went from antioch to seleucia then they sailed to cyprus then they sailed to salamis then they sailed to Paphos, then perga then back to antioch then to iconium to lystra pisidia pamphylia perga Italia, and finally back to antioch again this is the first missionary journey right and and the lord set them apart for a distinct special role he gave them a a certain calling and as part of this calling they had to do and fulfill certain responsibilities that god said this is your new vocation church When you became a christian you got a new vocation you received a new high calling such that in the past if you weren't clear about what was your 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 vocation your vocation my friends was to eat drink and be merry and then pass down something good to your children your vocation in the before you became a christian was to be successful build something grow your wealth grow your influence Possibly even uh, 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 grow other people right along the way, and that many much of that is very good, and that's it. Leave much to your children, build big bonds, store them up, and then move on, right to where, don't know. It's okay. Maybe somewhere along after you retire, you can spend some time uh, uh, searching spiritual answers. But while you're young, forget about all that. Grow, be big, be strong, right. That was your old vocation And then someone rescued you And transferred you out of darkness Into marvellous light And he said, I have a new job for you And this is not just like a new career job This is your life vocation I've given you a new commission over your life Let's look at what First Peter says This is your new vocation That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you What? Just that? No, it's not just that. It's that. It's big. It's great. It's bold. It's dangerous. It will take you to places you never thought you'd go. It will make you make decisions to sacrifice things you never thought you would sacrifice. And it's going to arrest your heart. It's going to carry you until your dying day. And if you do it well, you will stand before the Lord one day. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I am well pleased. Enter into my rest. And for everybody else who takes this and and, and is shot with it and doesn't really care about it and plays truant with it their, their 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 high calling i don't know what's going to happen to them i know a just god will do the right thing that's all you want your life to hang on that that one that one quip a just god will do the right thing is that how you just your whole life your your destiny is it going to hang on that a little hope or do you want to make sure of your salvation to pursue Him with all, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength that you, you say He is my King and I'm going to show even myself that He is my King so that my knee will be bent before Him and I will live into this great commission. I don't want you to be unsure about your salvation. I want you to be rock-solid that Jesus loves you. I want you to be rock-solid that He that He has traversed every possible obstacle and boundary in order to find you and save you. But what my role here is for you today is to cause you to be attentive to His call over your life. In this sense, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that you are not your own. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Not Your own You've been given a new calling Why? Why can God give you a new calling? Because now you are His And we sing the song I am yours Forever yours Right? What does it mean to sing that song? We sing, sometimes we sing these songs We don't even stop and pause to think what they mean What this means is that if you belong to Him He can ask of you anything Because you're his, ma. Right? And when's the last time we stopped and paused and thought about this, that if I am God, he can ask of me anything. And I believe it took a long lifetime's journey to walk with Yahweh before Abraham could say, I am yours, forever yours. And he says, Right here, right now, your son Isaac. And he says, with weeping I'm sure he I'm I'm sure he heard he said yes Lord and for every single one of us he will call for something else and he knows he knows he knows how much to ask he won't ask more than you can bear he's our master he's our lord he's our king he's our king do we live as if we have a king do we live as if as if he is our king you've been bought with a price you are his you're his this is this is slavery language by the way just so, just, just so I can make it even more uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, it's slavery language. You've been bought with a price. And you are a bond servant of Jesus Christ. But you know what? To be a bond servant in his house is liberty. It's liberty. Because before that, you were a bond servant in a hard master's house. You were a bond servant to Pharaoh you're a bond servant to Babylon. But today you have been bought with a price and you've been set free in his house. There's one more quote from the book I showed you just now, this Eugene Peterson book. And, th- and, and he says this about pastors. about pastors. So I'm going to read it to you as pastors. But as I read this to you as pastors, think about this. If, if this is the charge and the ordination for a pastor between him and his church, How much more is the calling and the commission for God between His people and God the King? Okay? So this text is about a pastor to his church. But how much more between God commissioning His people directly? So this is what Eugene Peterson says about folks like Pastor Fergus and Pastor Ramage. One more thing. We are going to ordain you to this ministry. And we want your vow that you will stick to it. This is not a temporary job assignment, but a way of life that we need lived out in our community. We know that you are launched on the same difficult belief venture in the same dangerous world as we are. We know that your emotions are as fickle as ours. Next slide. That is why we are going to ordain you And that is why we are going to exact a vow from you. It's going to pull a vow out of my mouth. With these vows of ordination, we are lashing you fast to the mast of word and sacrament so that you will be unable to respond to the siren voices, all the other voices that that try to attract you. Your task is to keep telling the basic story. Pastor Fergus and Pastor Ramesh, Our task is to keep telling the basic story, representing the presence of the Spirit, insisting on the priority of God, speaking the biblical words of command and promise and invitation. Friends, that is one writer's way of describing the ordination vows of a pastor. But my friends, how much more the commissioning words and the commissioning vows between God and His people he has lashed you fast to the mast of his spiritual calling and he's going to exact a vow from every single one of us private maybe you will say to him lord i'm yours forever yours all yours i've been bought with the price i belong to you you can ask of me whatever you want i've been commissioned i have a new calling you all know last week I was reading a lot about all the missionaries and I read about how asang Trevor Trevor white um uh, he he had to he had to go to UK try to find some kind of way he he he, he couldn't he couldn't make his way into in, into Borneo one you know actually Trevor white he uh, I don't even have a slide for this he couldn't make his way into Borneo one yeah and he ended up in in London you know he had a heart to go to Borneo but he, he he didn't know how to go there you know um no no Jalan and then from there he ended up in Europe you know he ended up in the Netherlands for a while and then got continued to speak to him you know and then after a while he he finally met someone who had a heart to go to Borneo and he and and you know what that someone that friend he shared I think he shared a room Trevor Trevor White shared a room with a a a a a, a guy who was due to become a missionary and due to be sent to borneo and on the eve of that friend's commissioning to go to borneo that guy Tajadi because he failed his medical and then just like that trevor white replaced him and ended up in borneo and he was commissioned to a new and the rest of sabah's history has been totally changed because trevor white soon became known as asang And the rest of Sabah's history has changed. All your Sabahans, you all know, Asang, right? Yeah, such small small margins for for one, one Christian's destiny. But God is sovereign over that destiny. And when He calls, no one can close. When He opens the door, no one can close. When He shuts the door, no one can open. Amen? And He's given every single one of us a commission. Let's move on. To be set apart means to be different. To be set apart is to be commissioned. And to be set apart is to be known for your love. We go back to our, our central text today at 1 Peter. It says that once you, once you were not a people, now you are a people. Once you what? Had not received mercy. Once you have never tasted mercy, the love of Mercy. But now you have received mercy. As people who have received the love of God, the the God He spared us the grace and mercy that He showed us by sending Jesus to die on the cross. Now we are recipients of it. Having been recipients of it, share that love to others. John 13 says this: A new command I give you: love one another. As I have loved you, so you must. Master. Huh? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. My friends, the call to love is not like just some airy-fairy, nembi pambi kind of like, oh, I'm loving, I, I have loving thoughts about this person. It's not just that. Christian love rolls up its sleeves, gets on its knees and serves the, in, in the worst conditions. That's what Christian love looks like. I want to show you what then shall set us apart. It's our love. How then has the early church uh, uh, shown from the earliest days of the church? We want to be that kind of church, right? When we get onto the ground in Sungai Buloh, we want to be a set-apart church. We want to be a church that is known for our love. How did the early church do it? How did the people of God for centuries and millennia do it? I want to show you this list. The first most obvious way that you can think of when you think about the early church, what set them apart? Their care for the weak. Wow, that sets them apart. If you go, if you go and look at how the early church treated, uh, um, even baby dumping. You know, by the way, you know Malaysia has a huge baby dumping problem. It does. Malaysia has a huge baby dumping problem. We just maybe we don't know it because we're not part of. Um, it doesn't. Maybe it's not in our culture, lah. Or maybe we don't know, lah. We don't know. We don't know the girls and the families who are, who are pressured, um, uh, in this way, and who face these struggles. But you know what? The early church in Rome had the same had the same things that they had to face. And because boys were preferred because they could work harder, right, or supposedly work harder, I know some, I think it's a huge fallacy because girls, some of the hardest workers I've ever known are all girls, right? <laughs> some, of the, some of the most workaholic people I know are also girls, right? Um, so, so it's a fallacy, but maybe they thought they can lift harder and stuff like that. Little baby girls were being dumped in Rome. You know who took them up? The Christians. The Christians cared for the weak. The Christians cared for the poor. Um uh Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was of the early missionary nuns, right? Um um uh and, and and cared for the poor in India. Um I think she 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 started this home and, and ended up rescuing some over a th- thousand children. Over a thousand children, many of them, little girls who were sold into, into temple prostitution. And, 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 and it's, you all should go and hear some of these stories, man. I, I love missionary stories and today I'm continuing from last week. Amy Carmichael was a brunette. And being a brunette in a family of blondes, her mum and her sisters were blonde and blue-eyed. Amy Carmichael was brunette. Amy Carmichael was Different. She wanted to fit in, but she did not. She looked different. She was different. Christian for Christian family, but there was something about her that didn't fit in. And she longed, as a, as a young girl, she longed to be just like her mum and her sister, blonde, blue-eyed. Growing up, she ended up in India. And when Amy Carmichael went to India, she realised that she had brunette features and, and dark hair. And all she needed to do she actually dyed her skin um to the color of coffee and that gave her access into the temples where very young girls were being sold out of poverty not for fun right being sold by their parents to be temple prostitutes Amy Carmichael could dress in a sari and walk into these temples and rescue these children blonde blonde blue-eyed girl could not have done that God has a purpose he calls you to be different and he will use your difference for a high calling and this is how we are set apart we care for the weak among us this is how we're set apart the early church had courage to face death the story story of the martyrs the early martyrs that they would be threatened with death if they do not pay the temp- uh, you, you know uh, uh, put the incense pinch the incense and say you know caesar is lord and if they do that They'll be spared and they got to be a normal roman citizen and you you and i might think like ask small small thing only i do that only for show and they said no i take my my allegiance to jesus seriously and i won't do that i won't do that and they were threatened with death and for many of them they had to die and during the reign of emperor nero many christians who, who refused to bow down before nero were tied onto sticks drenched with fuel and lit up to be to 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 be torches. you today we got street lamps back then it was christians i'm not kidding you go learn church history come to our church history class next year i don't know if you're running church history next year but go 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 listen to to, go study church history there's old street lamps in 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 nero's uh 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 uh, palatial grounds were christians burning on stakes and that's how he lit up his dinner parties why? Because these Christians would not call Him Lord. Because for us, Jesus alone is Lord. they courage to face death. And I'm not saying that courage to face death today means that we go out and we, be, and we be reckless with COVID. I'm not. And there is no way I'm I'm going down the path of like, oh, you know, this is my human liberties, my, you know. No, <laughs> no. No, we take responsibility For each other We don't go and look Look for death Where it's some stupid death If we want to die and if we want to send All of us to our death We might as well do it gloriously By sharing the gospel In dangerous places Okay If we want to die dangerously Die dangerous properly Right Don't die stupid deaths Like you go out there And then Just our holy huddle You know Must, must meet And then all Kena COVID Right That's a stupid way to die Okay Okay Sorry lah Maybe a bit too strong But you know what I mean? Real courage to face death in the face of real allegiance issues. Real allegiance issues with who is your king. Christians were set apart by our racial attitudes. No, neither Jew nor Greek. There is no more separation. And Christians were set apart for their sexual ethic. Do you know that in the early days, uh, um, in the time, first first BC, you know how 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 progressive. It would have been for paul how woke it is for paul to write a letter and not just speak to the men and say husbands love your wives away blah blah blah, christ loved the church blah blah and then husbands your wives must serve you blah 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 right that's how language would have been you write a letter you write it to the men and everything there is for the men but the apostle paul turned the whole sexual ethic thing upside down when he not just wrote to the men he wrote husbands love your wives the way christ loved the church and then wives and then he goes on and says things to the wives so that the letter did not just talk past the women the letter put pause and looked at the women and said i'm going to acknowledge and legitimize your presence in the room girls you are real girls you are listening and all these years all these centuries all the men talk to each other and you have to listen as if you are a bystander not in the church of jesus christ and then he turns to the women and he talks to them that is how we show love to one another and more than that you know what he says next he says "Master slave owners this is how you should treat your slaves and you know what the most progressive thing paul did he turned to the slaves and he said born servants these are how you this is how you should act the letter acknowledges the bondsman so speaks to them directly. Wow, hey guys, we don't appreciate these things. We really just like oh yeah yeah yeah, and then we look into the details and we say oh I'm um, not progressive enough, you know, um, he's not, he, he, and all these things. Do you know how earth breaking it is for the letter written to, to to, to, to you know the establishment? And then suddenly turn to the bond servant and say, Bond servant, I acknowledge you. You're in this room. I'm talking to you now. I'm not talking to the rest. I'm talking to you. This is how you should serve your masters. That's how the Christian community is. Everyone gets noticed. You know that for the ancient Jews, there are one law for the local and the same law for the foreigner? That's, that's why the church is set apart god's people have always been set apart this way and and if you look into the book of acts you see how they're set apart for their generosity in terms of how they manage their personal wealth it's unrivaled until today it's not it's not rival that that christians will all be selling everything they have and then pulling them together to feed and to make sure that all the poor um are, are, are accommodated for right and maybe it's because that's that's how they could generate wealth you know, and I thank God today that when we do a COVID fund or something like that, everybody's doing. We do CAP, everybody's doing. We do CIA, everybody's doing, right? Um, all our aid programs for COVID. So many of you guys, I want to thank you that as a cell, you're a gathering, you're doing above and beyond what the church thought we were going to call you to do. Thank you. This is how we are set apart. This is how we're set apart. And Jesus says, to, to the sons of thunder, right? Jo- John and, and his brother, what's his brother? James. James and John brought their mother to go and fight their battles for him. The mother says, Jesus, Jesus, my boy and my boy want to be at your right hand and on your left hand. Remember that? Don't even have guts to do it themselves, okay? <laughs> want to be on the right hand, can't do it themselves. Mother must come and make the case for the boy. And Jesus says, young man, you don't know what you're asking for. One day, somebody's going to be on my right hand and on my left hand. You thank God it's not you. You know who those two are, right? The two who were crucified on Jesus' right hand and on left hand. And then Jesus schools them. He says that He says that the path to kingdom power is not, it's not through being like that. God says that the kings of this world, the mighty people of this world, lord it over them. Show and leverage on their power, not you guys. You will go to the ground and clean the feet, wash the feet, be humble. That's what sets us apart. That's your path to authority. That's your path to power. And it won't be earthly power and authority. It will be supernatural authority, biblical authority and power. It will be spiritual authority and power. And that will outstrip all the earthly powers and will outlast them all. My friends, we're going to be a set apart church, but we're going to, the way we're going to be set apart is that we roll up our sleeves, we get on our knees, and that's how Sunay Bulo Church is going to be. God wants this more than we do. God wants this more than we do. And our role now is to align our hearts to His, to desire it for ourselves and for each other, not just ourselves, as if it's a private thing. But to desire it for ourselves and each other so that we as we are as we are shaped into a set apart church we are always our brother and sister's keeper as well thank you lord god every breath every breath why do you breathe why do you live if not for jesus why do you breathe why do you live if not for jesus Take all of my life, Lord God. Now may the Lord bless you, keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance to face you and give you peace. And all of God's people shout a triumphant and loud, Amen.